Hey, my name's Emma. Hey, my name's Maddie. And you're listening to The Pilot's Pandemic. Hey y'all, welcome back to this week's episode of the Pilots Pandemic Podcast. You're here with your host, Emma, and our co-host, Maddie. Hey guys. And this week we are joined by Melissa Flores. Melissa is a flight attendant and a student pilot, um, and we're really excited to chat with her today. She has kind of a unique story that she reached out to us, and we kind of wanted to share it with you all just to bring some awareness. So yeah, if you want to give yourself a little bit of an introduction, Melissa. Hi, I'm Melissa. Um, been flying as a flight attendant for about three years. Um, always had a passion for flying and super excited to talk to you ladies today. Yeah. So what ignited your passion for aviation? How'd you get into this? Uh, that's definitely from my dad. Uh, he grew up with a passion for airplanes um, his entire life. He can tell you pretty much any fact about any of the warbirds flown in World War One or Two specifically. Um, but like I grew up, we went to all the air museums, all the air shows. Um, my parents immigrated to the States. And one of my favorite things about going back home to visit family was the actual flying part. I loved being in the planes and the airports and my dad did too. So that's where I got it from. I can uh, definitely, oh, sorry, Maddie. Oh no, you're good. Go ahead. <laughs> I can definitely resonate with that. When I was little, I absolutely loved the airport flying. Like I love the smell of the airport, the way my bag made the little um sound when you're rolling down the jet gate or whatever it is. I just love the whole experience. Yeah. We've all like been inspired by our dads in aviation because my dad is the one who also got me into like the aviation realm. I wasn't like super into flying. I think actually the first flight that we took, so my mom like remarried um, because my biological father died before I was born, but he came into our lives like when I was in third grade. So we'd never actually flown on a plane until he came into our lives. And I remember the first time that we were supposed to go somewhere, we were going to go to Disneyland um but I didn't want to go because we were hanging out with my cousins like right before that but as soon as we got on the plane I was like oh my gosh this is such like a different experience and I do have like the my aunt sent me like a few weeks back my first picture on the plane and I'm sitting in the window seat of course because that's like my favorite spot on the plane so I think that's like my first experience on a plane and then ever since then I've kind of like delved into aviation and he is the one who really got me to get into um, the aviation industry and everything so I love that we all have that in common with our dads like being the ones who inspired us Um, but when we had talked to you you had mentioned that you were working on getting your PPL so how has that kind of journey been for you and did your dad also inspire you to do that or is that something that just kind of came about because of your passion for aviation? I would say it came about from my passion. I knew I wanted to be a pilot from when I was very little. I mean, growing up, listening to my dad talk about airplanes and, you know, I just thought it would be so cool to fly them. Um, I was, like I mentioned before, my parents are immigrants and we kind of grew up in a small Midwest town and it just wasn't an opportunity that I thought I could pursue um, given our circumstances. I'm like by no means blaming anything on my roots. Like my parents worked super hard to give us what we needed growing up and I'll never stop being grateful. 
And as I get older, I certainly understand the hardships they went through as immigrants. Um, so it just wasn't an opportunity that I thought I could pursue. And I went on and I kind of fumbled my way through college and adulthood. Being a pilot was still kind of out of the realm of possibility. So I just didn't even look into it. But I knew that I could be a flight attendant. Like I absolutely had the background to do that. So I went for it. And because of that, when I got on with my first airline, I met some of my best friends who I still consider my best friends today. And they encouraged me to pursue my... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And uh, here we are. And I was able before all of this, after college, I was a firefighter. So why not? Why? What could stop me from being a pilot? So yeah. here we are. <laughs> I, I love that. Like, it, it seems like people who um, get into aviation or become pilots, they always like kind of have a passion for, I don't know, maybe it's a girl thing and I hate to generalize like that, but I always think about like other career options. And I would definitely love to do something like that, like be a firefighter or um, go into the military, just something like that tactical. Uh, so I think that's really interesting, but that's so cool that you use that as kind of like a platform of like, if I can do that, then why can't I do this? I, I do the same thing with being a pilot and getting my PPL, it's kind of like, that's my little, if I have this, like, what can stop me from doing this that I feel is hard or somehow like something that's going to be a challenge. But what are some of the ups and downs as your career as a flight attendant? Well, I guess a definitely a huge one for all of us was the pandemic. Um, it hit us super hard and very similar, yet also very individual ways if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. For me, it was absolutely devastating. Like I finally, you know, figured out what I wanted to do with my life. You know, I made it into aviation. And um, for me, like the, the first little airline and the connections I made with that are what helped me gain the confidence to leave a super abusive relationship. And so I essentially had lost because I got furloughed and then my airline ended up not surviving. And um you know, I, the thing that gave me my freedom is now being taken away from me. It was all gone. And then watching my airline family lose their wings was ridiculously painful. Like everyone, all of us, we're now unemployed. We adored our jobs and we all just kind of felt lost. And, um, it was a little bit tough. It was real tough for a while, but you know, that's the biggest downer down of the career I can think about. But on the yeah. flip side of that, um, as we all started to get our wings back and that was amazing. All of my friends who are pilots, you know, they made it back on. They certainly made sure they kept flying and it was just super awesome to see everybody, um, land on their feet on the other side of this. And, um, when I got my wings back, it was just awesome. And I felt like I could now continue to pursue the, the dream of actually being a pilot. So 
definitely the two major ups and downs <laughs> of this career so far. That was like a, a big pendulum swing. Like when the pandemic happened, it was a lot of chaos and like the unknowing part, like the unknown of not knowing, like if you're going to get furloughed, if you're going to have your job in a few months, what you're going to do is the airline going to come back around. And then it literally came back in full force. And now we're seeing like, if you want to fly, if you want to be a flight attendant, pilot, work in aviation, you literally have a job. And so it's nice that it has had that like three, 360 degree turn back to like an up and um, definitely for pilots coming up in the pipeline, it's, it's pretty amazing to see how much the industry has changed. But speaking of hardships, I know that we had spoken about, um, an altercation that had happened on board one of your flights. So we wanted to kind of dig into that. Um, can you share with our audience what happened? Absolutely. Um, I did reach out because we had a pretty serious event happen on board and I kind of went into a tailspin, you know, um, because of it. And we, what the, the nittier, grittier details and kind of working out with a mental health professional, but, um, Cliff Notes version of it is we were flying a transcon and mid-flight, you know, um, we got a call from the flight deck saying that one of the pilots became incapacitated and they believed that they were having a seizure. And I was like, okay, you know, training kicks right in. You know, I got my crew, we got our team. And I said, we're coming in, open the door. So we set up the galley, we opened the door and I don't think any of us were prepared to see what was going on in that flight deck. Um, it was an absolute, it was like an immediate, as soon as I saw what was happening, it was such a uh, feeling of life or death, like fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Um, there was an altercation going on. One of the pilots was just, um, kind of, it looked like a seizure at first. And so mm -hmm. I had a very good crew that I was working with. Um, the gentleman, my lead flight attendant was able to get him out of the flight deck. And then another colleague of mine, I'm a former, you know, I have a background in first responding and then she had a background in nursing. So we had uh, a very excellent team to work on this, but once we got him out of the flight deck and we got him kind of into the galley and started trying to assess what was going on, we could tell that, you know, he was very disoriented. He was incoherent. Um, it felt, now I can't say this for sure. I have no idea what actually happened to this pilot, but given my previous experience and the previous experience of my colleague, um, this was somewhat of a mental health crisis. Um, the, the, the pilot had no idea where he was just was completely kind of out of it, lost his mind. He became combative. You know, I got injured. Another one of my colleagues got injured by him and it felt like it took forever. And our main, our main goal was to keep him calm and to keep him from hurting anybody else. And so it was one of those situations where it just felt like he was in a crisis and um, you know, one of the scariest things I've dealt with, like, yes, as flight attendants, we're trained to deal with medical emergencies, 
but we don't really talk about when it happens to a pilot, you know, when when our colleague, the, the people who are flying us, who, who's, who keeps us safe mid-flight now is going through something and now we have to handle it. It's the most terrifying thing that I've dealt with, even as a firefighter, I've never been kind of so scared in my life. Yeah, I can imagine that's incredibly traumatizing. So I definitely wanted to ask, like, how has this situation impacted your mental health? And did it change the way that you viewed pilots' mental health? It was a kind of rude awakening to um, the reality that, you know, our pilots in this country kind of endure, right? They hide their conditions from their um, from their doctors and be- because they'll get their wings pulled. I mean, I, st- I went down a super deep rabbit hole. You know, I started listening to your podcast and I was listening to all of the just antiquated um, policies and w- that our FAA kind of uses as guidelines. And um, it just launched me down. I was literally in a tailspin. Like the night that I reached out to Maddie, I hadn't slept because all of the what ifs you know, what if we couldn't gain access to the flight deck? What if, you know, one the one pilot knocked out the other pilot? And just all of these things set me into a tizzy. And <laughs> I went through, I took a period of time off flying. I took about a month and a half off flying because I felt so unprotected by the FAA, you know, because these guys are out here potentially hiding some pretty detrimental conditions, you know, because they can't get help. And I was honestly ready to quit. I had my resignation letter written. I was like, you know, having something that I had such a burning passion for kind of get ripped away was incredibly, I don't know, devastating I, I don't I don't want to use the word depression lightly but I was so sad because going to work for me like flying was just the greatest feeling and it was the last thing I wanted to do these f- first few days and weeks after the incident I couldn't even think about being on an airplane and it was really emotional yeah yeah uh, <laughs> what happened to you is like it's something that Emma and I always talk about like there will be something that happens but because you guys were able to in that in a safe manner thank god um uh, no one's no one ever heard about it obviously in the news or anything and we only hear about these certain events happening if it's like catastrophic and if people die but it is scary to be in that situation and there are repercussions to people like this is not something that should be taken lightly and to think um that you had to go through that it's I totally understand like the fear of the unknown uh even I have that a little bit when I get on a plane if my husband isn't flying like I hope these pilots are good to go I was just just about to say that never know like (laughs) yeah I mean ever since Maddie and I started this whole journey like it's made me I don't know, just like a level of um, awareness that I don't know. I just know that potentially somebody could be feeling some kind of way in hiding it. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And yeah, that what if is really scary. And then for you, like watching that and having that situation happen to you firsthand, I just can't really imagine. Like, it's almost like you get a little bit of, um, I don't want to use the word PTSD. I'm not a doctor, so I don't like want to use that word, but it's like, it literally is just trauma. Um, I really can't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have been speaking to somebody and you know, that word, that condition PTSD was, was very heavily discussed, you know? Um, so yeah, traumatic for all of us and anyone who witnessed it, it's just, yeah, you're right. Nobody talks about it. No one heard about it, you know, because no one got hurt. And because we were able to settle this safely as safely as we could, but which is sad. You guys don't have like a reporting, like I know for pilots, like if something happens midair, they put on the report, like if some emergency happens, um, so all pilots can see it and it's anonymous. Um, and it's a way that other pilots can learn like, Hey, you know, if I'm in this situation, I'll make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, but for flight attendants, like, do you guys have those types of reports where you you can make something and a report anonymously so other flight attendants can be aware? We do have something, we do have reports like that. Um, but to my knowledge, it doesn't go out to other flight attendants, just goes within like, um, management and the upper like roles of the airline. Um, So no one actually know like knows that the situation happened though within the company. Other no, not in any formal not. sense of the word. Like, um, you know, okay. people heard about it because of the, you know rumors I and we talked about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's kind of upsetting though because I feel like this this is an opportunity for them to really make flight attendants aware that like you know pilots are struggling, um, and but obviously that went unsaid. Um, and I think, like you said, you had mentioned that you're a firefighter, that one of the other flight attendants was a nurse. You also had a male flight attendant on board who had been able to get the captain or the first officer out of the flight deck. So like it all lined up for you guys, um, which is good. And I think because of your background and because of the other flight attendant being a nurse, you were able to have that extra like level of awareness. Whereas, you know, what if it was someone else that didn't have that expertise, they might not be able to tell like you could. So do you feel like there could possibly be more training on mental health outbreaks in the flight deck or in the cabin? Absolutely. Um, That was you know, as a firefighter, we're trained extensively on people who are having a mental health crisis. And, you know, because it's so prevalent in today's society, and even back when I was a firefighter, it was so heavily talked about and we trained on it. And um, in flight attendant training, you don't get any training as, um, you know, with people who are having a mental health crisis at all. I mean, we're dealt, we're taught how to dealt, deal with basic medical emergencies, um, passenger disturbances, but nothing like what we went through. And um, I mean, we all see it in the news. We see these passengers I mean, going crazy, right? Yeah. And because mm-hmm. um, the stress of just our world now, I mean, we get some of the worst behavior on board our flights and we're getting beat up. We're getting 
verbally abused by passengers and and we don't know exactly how to respond to it because it's most of those people are having some kind of a mental health crisis you know they're they're stressed they're you know they're dealing with stuff and then they take it out on us and so we're not trained on it and i think it's something that really needs to be looked at within the schoolhouses of all of these of of all airlines and something that needs to be taught for sure <laughs> definitely i mean it's just it's kind of wild because I'm thinking, why is it the airplane that everyone decided to take it out on flight attendants during the pandemic? Like, I didn't hear about these things happening on buses or any other or trains. Like, it was mostly just planes. And I think it's because you're stuck inside a tube. You can't get out. <laughs> and your whole world has changed. Like, all this situational stress of just being inside the pandemic, having to do things that people tell you to do. And, you know, Americans, like we're used to doing what we want to do. And if someone tells us what to do, we don't want to do it. But it was insane the amount of like harm that the flight attendants were taking during the pandemic. Like I can't even imagine it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, another element of it, I think, you know, when you're on a plane, you have no control, right? You are you said maddie you're you're being told what to do put your seatbelt on put your bags away and then on top of it all you know you're you're not in control of this airplane like you're not driving everyone's so used to being in control and then you know on top of being out not having control of you know your life or or what's going on in society it just compounds and compounds and unfortunately explodes on one of the airplanes (laughs) you know it just all comes to a head on a plane when they snap. Mm-hmm. So how have you been taking care of yourself? Like after this happened to you, I know you had mentioned therapy. Yes. Um, it took me a little bit, took me a couple of weeks to reach out to um, a therapist, but initially like I took the time off. I was granted time off. You know, I, you know, we fought tooth and nail for me to get some time off, which is a whole story in itself. But um, for me, like my routine, I'm very heavy into the gym. I, I'm a huge believer ever since I was a firefighter, like physical fitness is directly related to your mental health and having good mental health. I'm a huge advocate for the gym. So I was in the gym. I was doing my routine. I am a huge lover of horses and so I've got a few horses that I help take care of so oh my god no way yeah <laughs> I, um, sorry I didn't mean to interrupt you I'm just I'm a huge horse girl I grew up yes. with like seven of them and still go riding with my friend a lot but yeah like that is a crazy one for my mental health it makes me feel yeah. so much better and anyone who kind of has been around horses I mean you know that those animals are special like mm-hmm. they use horses and therapy for a specific reason because they are such um empathetic and just incredible animals and so me for me being in the barn and being around the horses was therapy in itself <laughs> but yeah. uh, I kind of started to realize because I was still having flashbacks I was having um nightmares and just the the lack of interest of wanting to go back to work was so heavy on my heart. I was like, this isn't, this isn't me. This isn't right. There's something else I need to do. Um, and, um, 
I, I was talking, I was speaking with some of my colleagues who were on board with me that night, and we found out some more information about the incident that just kind of, again, I was sent into a tailspin, into a tizzy. I was so angry and like my body had a physical reaction to finding out more details about that night. And so I was like, I have to speak to a therapist. Like this is some, there's some, it's beyond me at this point. Um, I'm, I'm out of control of what's going on inside my brain right now. So I need to talk to somebody who, who knows, who can help me kind of dissect and to, and um, process this incident correctly so that I don't have any more, um, so that I can proceed with my life. Um, so yes, it took me a couple of weeks, but I reached out to a therapist and we've been together and making amazing progress. And um, I'm just super grateful for that. Yeah, I mean, good on you for like seeking out like, Obviously, I I post about my workouts all the time, so that's a huge one for me as well for my mental health. But even just going on a walk has been really big for that too. You don't have to do anything too crazy to get your physical fitness in. And I love that you um, sought out like your passion for riding horses because I think those things are the things that we need to lean on when we're in a tough situation. Is reminding ourselves of like what we truly love um and then obviously therapy um I, I'm really happy that you were able to do all of those things um and we had already talked about this question that I'm going to ask you but I'm going to kind of dive into a different subject but um with the whole incident in the plane um you had like you had said earlier you were you're kind of aware like I remember you saying like the pilot was sweating when he first got on board and then you had mentioned that he was not very coherent he was saying like it was a different year um but what was the conversation like with the the other pilot and what was his view on things because i think that's something that's important to talk about too is that maybe his view was like a little bit different and maybe that's part of like the trauma that you're having as well um, yes. So the other pilot had made some comments that kind of led me to led me to come to my own conclusion that this was certainly um, heavily influenced by poor mental health. Um, he obviously was also in shock, you know, and uh, I I don't want to say like the captain, our, our pilots, our pilot did a phenomenal job getting us safely on the ground, but the conversations we were having about the other pilot certainly led me to believe that this guy need had been in desperate need of some kind of help and just wasn't getting it um, due to like certain life factors and things that maybe were going on in his personal life. Um, oh gosh, it's, it's hard to describe how that made me feel like I didn't want to be angry, but because these guys are my colleagues and I don't want anyone to get thrown under the bus, but at the same time, you don't want it to happen again. I, I, I don't want <clears throat> to, 
this kind of situation should never have happened. It absolutely should never have happened. If there was any indication that, if there's ever an indication that someone isn't isn't fit to fly, they absolutely should not be on board. And um, unfortunately, this whole thing was completely avoidable, and it just was kind of overlooked and and um kind of no. I don't want to say swept under the rug but just ignored right yeah mm-hmm. I th- I feel like it, in a way it was swept under the rug but because of the stigma that is held over pilots heads like it's kind of like you're looking out for the other pilot like you don't want to oh, say yeah. something but mm-hmm. you you're like okay if this situation is bad enough obviously I have to take care of it but like you said, like this situation was avoidable. And so why wasn't it avoided? Is it because of the mental health stigma? I, I strongly think that that is the the case. Um, but after this all happened, did the, the pilot who landed the plane safely pilot in command, did he even mention like, yeah, this guy needed some help. He needed some mental health care. Did he even say anything to the union about it? Like, do you know those details at all? I don't know if anything was said to the union, but the pilot certainly, the pilot in command certainly was making comments to lead me, to lead us to believe that this guy needed help for quite some time. Um, Cause they had flown together before and they, you know, um, he, I think the the exact words that the pilot in command told me was, um, "This guy always seemed a little off," mm. and um, and yeah, this the stigma. You know, obviously, none of us want to rat on each other, and none of us want to be the reason another loses their job. But the stig, like the stigma behind mental health, and you know, you feel like you can protect the other person by ignoring these things like ignoring the red flags just is not a safe practice we cannot keep ignoring this we can't um just keep saying you know they're fine they're fine we'll we'll deal with it later um or deal with it in your own way like you you just can't like i felt that firsthand i, I was trying to deal with my stuff on my own and it just was too big for me to do and um this has got to stop you know I keep saying over and over and over to people I talk about like this has to stop we need to be able to reach out for help we need to be able to talk to somebody because you can you can only cope so long on your own like you can only use your own coping methods so long before they're no longer effective or the problem is just too big for you to handle yeah and um yeah. <laughs> Do you have any advice for a cabin crew member who might find themselves in the same position as you? Well, first and foremost, your safety and the safety of the flight is your first concern. So by any means, if if there's um, someone who's out of control and is maybe physically um, abusive, you know, call on your resources, you know, call on customers who may be able to help you. I mean, we're trained in how to restrain people, but if it's not quite that bad, like we didn't have to restrain this pilot, um, but, you know, 
my biggest piece of advice is to listen to your gut, use your intuition, do your best to calm the situation. It's really hard. It's super hard when you're in the middle of an emergency to think rationally and to try to stay calm. But you, if you're confronted with something like this, you need to stay calm and you need to use um, any of the resources you have available to kind of talk whoever's on the ledge, off the ledge. Um, do Just do your best to be aware of what this person might be going through. Um, if the moment you freak out or the moment that you lose control of your situation, it's just going to result in catastrophe. Like you, the biggest thing is to remain like your safety and the safety of the flight and then to remain calm. Do you feel like this experience has kind of changed how you assess like pilots and it, their fit to flyness? Absolutely. Um, now I make it a point before we even get on board, you know, I'll make it a point to walk up to the pilots now and talk to them. Um, because before this flight, you know, I didn't meet these pilots until we were in the air because we I got on board and I was setting up my cabin, doing my safety checks. The pilots got in the flight deck and they briefed the lead flight attendant, but they didn't talk to all of us. Which is, which is fine. You're allowed to do that as long as you brief one of us and we can pass the information along to the rest. So I didn't meet them until, um, until we were going through the emergency. And um, so now I make it a point to talk to these guys, like, <laughs> like stare at them, like look at their eyeballs. Uh, like in my mind, I'm like, are you good, dude? Like, what did you do last night? Are we good? Yeah. Just, well, it's important though, because of the experience that you've had, like now, you know, like the reality of things and we laugh about it, but at the same time, I'm, I'm glad that you are like really making sure, um, because that's part of like, you know, not getting into this situation again. Um, and unfortunately, you know, you've had to go through such a tough experience, but you're out on the other end and able to, you know, tell your story and help other flight attendants really make sure they're assessing the pilots because I think that's important, you know? Absolutely. Um, because we do like, if someone looks unfit, you know, you just got to go with your gut and call it out. We, it's not worth taking the risk anymore. It's not worth, you know, trying to save someone else's job. No, um, it's not. I always think of the the Swiss cheese model too that they teach you at the airlines. Yeah. Like, you know, like you guys are so lucky that you had the people that you had on board that day. Because mm -hmm. imagine if you had like flagellants straight off IOE, new, didn't know a thing. I mean, obviously they're prepared for an emergency, but like this is a heightened level of emergency in my mind. So just thinking like what the, the what if scenario, definitely I could see why that was going through your mind so much because I'm the same way. Like after something terrible happens, I'm like, what if this happened? What if this happens? Like the anxiety of those things can be tremendous. So I just think, thank God you guys, you know, were lined up in the way that you were to take care of the situation. Yeah. I say that, you know, is something that I've kind of kind of helps me process and move forward from this. Like I am grateful. It was me. I am grateful. It was my specific crew because God forbid it was anyone else, like anyone 
like you said, straight off IOE without any experience in this kind of stuff, like it could have ended a lot worse. And I am just grateful that we were put on that flight and we were the ones to deal with it. Me too. Well, thank you for like sharing your story with us. I know that it's not always easy to share like vulnerable stories, um, especially when they happen at Our favorite snack from our favorite female aviator. Avinola packs so much flavor that there are endless possibilities of concoctions that you can make with this granola. You guys, we are talking about recipes like mini keto cupcakes, tropical avinola collagen smoothies, buckwheat avinola cakes, avinola parfaits, and even chocolate granola bark. Go to the avinola Instagram page at avi under slash foods under slash co. That's at avi under slash f-o-o-d-s under slash c-o to get your hands on these recipes and order yourself some delicious granola made by a female aviator use code pilots pandemic for 15 percent off your order so thank you melissa for for sharing that with us um, but we're going to move into some lighter, fun questions. All right. <laughs> we always like to end the show on a fun note because like it's so ser- it's some serious talk to go through and sift through and we're like, okay, we need to end on a light note. Yeah. So um, the first question I have for you is what's a must have in your flight bag when you're going on a trip, like something that you can't leave without. This is kind of funny and um people will probably think like, oh, <laughs> like laugh at me, but I am, I can't leave the house without red lipstick. Mm-hmm. And when I'm at work, I always have my red lips on, like even in, when we are still wearing masks, I always had <laughs> red lips on underneath. It's just like a security blanket. Like I love having my red lips on when I'm at work. Like, even if like, when I become a pilot, I'll probably still be wearing red lipstick. <laughs> I love that though. It's like a signature thing for you. Yeah. 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 Emma, even though you like are not going on a trip, but like just like a regular trip, like what would you not leave home without? Um, definitely my massive charging block thing. <laughs> like I have one of those, it's for my um it was for my iPad when I was getting my IFR. You have to have like a crazy, crazy, crazy big battery. Um, like the FAA has a requirement on it, but that thing will charge an iPad or your phone like 10 times over again. I mean, it's like the apocalypse starter pack charger. I freaking love that thing. (laughs) Y'all got to charge our devices. Uh, mine is my, I think this is so like basic of me to say, because I'm sure everyone has one, but I have to have my water bottle because I suck down water. Like it's going out of style and I hate feeling like a dried up prune. So that's a definite that I have to take with me. That's good. A lot of people don't realize like, you know, the medical emergencies, like the usual, the day-to-day medical emergencies, I'll say like, it's just people that don't keep themselves hydrated. So Yeah. Definitely, I was coming because um at SeaTac, I usually leave from SeaTac, and they have water stations everywhere, and so I fill up my water bottle there. But I was coming back from Dallas a couple days ago, 
and I could not find a water filling station. I was like, oh my God, I'm dying. And the flight attendants, they just, they don't come through the cabin enough to give me enough water that I want. You know, they're like, oh, here's a cup. I'm like, I literally need that whole bottle, dude. Like <laughs> I'm drying up. Um, so yeah, like my water bottle, gotta fill it. Um, and it sucks when I can't, but yeah. Anyways, uh, next question for you is like, what's the best snack on the go? So I'm a big kid at heart and I always have in my cooler, I always have cheese sticks, <laughs> like yeah. the string cheese. I just the best. I'll go my go-to every time. I can get down with some cheese. I'm a cheese girl. <laughs> uh, Emma, what about you? Uh, best snack on the go. I'm going to like relate this to, um, my, uh, road trip snacks. And if I have all the bang for my buck, I'm getting popcorn combos and beef jerky and mm. the spicy peanuts, the munchy mm. spicy peanuts, mm. flaming hot. So good. Um, and then also they make these, I, I don't know. I can't remember. They've got a couple, but I'm trying to think of which one's my favorite. It definitely would be the cinnamon toast crunch cereal bar that they have in the gas stations that have like the, the, um, white chocolate on the bottom. I don't know, but those are my things. And then like a, a big Gatorade, a Red Bull. These are awful things. But I know. I was like, bro, these are not healthy. <laughs> But I didn't say time. healthy snack though. I said best snack. So best snack on the go. And when I'm yeah. going somewhere, those are all the things that I want. And those, that's how I know you're going to have like a really bomb road trip, especially mm -hmm. if you, if you have beef jerkies and com uh, beef jerky and combos, that's like, I don't know. It must be a Southern thing, but me and all my friends growing up, we always just had to have some beef jerky and combos for our little road trips. I uh, just got some beef jerky at Costco, the Chomps. Have you had that? Mm -hmm. I haven't tried one yet, but I'm excited. Um, for me, the one that I always take on the go, because I'm like, okay, if I don't have meal prep or anything like that, I always take a like protein bar. So I like the perfect bars, the peanut butter bars, or um, the G2G bars, which are also peanut butter based with like oatmeal mixed in. Those are- the my go-tos the peanut butter bars are so freaking good i know what you're talking about and i they're like in the cold section yep <laughs> hey less so absolutely bussing i mean busting busting down to the fifth degree like i have never had a protein bar that freaking good like the texture the flavor everything is on point and then the fact that it's cold Oh, Lord. Yep. It's really good. Yep. They hit the spot when you have like that low blood sugar and you're like, oh my God, I'm about to pass out. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Got to have them. Okay. Last question is what's your favorite layover, Melissa? Um. So my layovers, I try to get because of their hotel gyms. It sounds kind of ridiculous, but you know, every hotel gym is different. Some of them suck. Some of them are great. But mm -hmm. in my experience so far, our Seattle layover has the best gym. And, you know, from free weights to benches to machines and Stairmasters and dang, yeah, anything. It's beautiful. I mean, it is absolutely heaven and it's open 24 hours. So if I come in off a red eye, I can go down there at 1am and work out, which is great. But um, 
also like the area that we're in in Seattle, it's great food, good walking. Like I can walk down to the water and um, that's my favorite. Absolutely. Hands down. Oh, I can get on board with that. When I go yeah. on my husband's layers, I'm the same. I'm like, okay, what's the gym situation like? Um, and what are the surroundings? Um, but my favorite, gosh, there's so many good ones, honestly. But I think my favorite has been um, our Lahui layover because mm-hmm. uh, it's right on the water. And then it also has a really good gym. And uh, you don't really have to go far. And obviously it's in Hawaii, so yeah. <laughs> it's beautiful. But yeah, that's my favorite. What about Emma? Uh, I know that you don't have any layovers that you got to go on, but like, if you're going to stay somewhere, where are you going to stay? I don't know. Would you have time to tan on a layover? Because the pool would be a big necessity for me. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) if you get a a nice layover, not no 12 hour layover, you ain't going to lay out by the pool. But if it's like a 30 hour, then you're golden. Okay. Well, in that case, I just need a warm place and a decent pool. Um, And I'm happy. Um, You know, happy as a pig and shit. I mean, really, that's like, that's my element right there. Sit me by the pool. um, Give me some banana boat, a cute little drink, and I'm happy as long as I can swim. That's giving me Austin overnight. Um, the hotel, I forget what the hotel's called, but uh literally walk out by the pool and they have the bar right next to the Ooh. pool. So you can, like walk right up and say, I want this, and then they they call your name out when they have it ready. And uh I don't know what it is about that pool vibe, but like people come in droves and then everybody wants to talk. So it feels like a huge pool party. I That's- love that. <sighs> yes. Um it's it kind of sucks because like when I go on layovers like my husband can't really drink because he gotta fly so I'm like all right I guess I'm drinking by myself and like meeting people uh but it's it's all good (laughs) all right well we're done with the questions I know I was like really enjoying that I like a first second there I had my eyes closed and I was imagining what it would be (laughs) like to be in like the bright hot sun with a pina colada in my hand, sweating, the ambiance, people laughing, children splashing. I don't know. I love that. <laughs> Sounds so nice. I'm in San Diego, but it's like cold and wet here. I'm just bummed out that I don't get to go sit, but the pool here is actually quite nice. Oh mm. man. See, that would get, I'd be having so much FOMO. <laughs> Well, okay. That is it for this week's episode. Melissa, thank you so much again for joining us and, you know, having the courage just to be able to share. I know it probably isn't the easiest rehashing that, but I think, like I said in the beginning, bringing awareness to these kinds of situations, I feel like are another key in kind of preventing them. So hopefully somebody will take this away and use it as something valuable, but yeah. Um, I can't think of anything else that I want to touch on as we close out, you know, like we always say, if you have an, like the chance or the opportunity, please rate review and subscribe to the show. It helps us spread our message far and wide. And we really do appreciate it. If you happen to review the show, if you'd like, take a screenshot, send it to the Pilots Pandemic page, Maddie or myself, and we will send you a postcard and a sticker. So little incentivization for you. But 
yeah that's all for this week melissa thank you again and y'all just y'all remember to keep the blue side up and the brown side down until next week